WBNE. Hello from elsewhere. I'm Valerie. And I'm Casey. And welcome to the podcast where we explore characters, themes, and symbolism in pop culture. This episode comes to you straight from a wretched hive of scum and villainy in a galaxy far, far away. Because today we're discussing the symbolism of masks in The Mandalorian and in The Rise of Skywalker. Valerie, do you have any memorable masks that you've worn? Probably for Halloween. I was not allowed to wear masks for Halloween. I don't like know if your, your mom... parents didn't let you wear masks? Right. They were worried we about weren't... like street visibility, so we weren't allowed to wear masks. <laughs> I also think they were worried that we would embody the characters that we were... Mm. Like that Goosebumps story. I don't remember that Goosebumps story. She puts on a mask and like becomes this creature. Oh. It's like a... That's terrifying. It like st- gets stuck to her face. Right. And she becomes it, and her voice gets all creepy. <laughs> my, my parents didn't know it, but I, I think that they were worried something like worried that would happen. That something like that would happen, or like the mask, Jim Carrey. Yeah, they were worried I would turn into Jim Carrey. Yes. Exactly, <laughs> it's the last thing any parent wants. <laughs> but yeah, um, did you ever have any Halloween masks? I'm trying to think. I don't think any of my costumes involved a mask. Sometimes face makeup, you know, a court jester, a uh, cat face makeup but i don't i can't think of any of it as a mask someday casey i will go for halloween as the mouth of sauron full-on helmet mask a creepy mouthpiece i found somebody on etsy who sells the creepy little mask rubber piece casey for the mouth for the mouth oh, yeah man <laughs> let the record show valerie is doing the mouth of sauron face i don't think you need makeup <laughs> Is that the Thank meanest you. thing anyone's ever said? The kindest compliment I've ever received is that I look exactly <laughs> like the mouth of Sauron. That's all everyone ever wanted to hear in life. I have an all-important question for you. That was that was a question, but not the all-important question. Okay. So this one comes from one of our Sprinkle Wizard patrons, Shira. And Shira asks, if fictional characters held a masquerade ball, which which character, so which fictional character would go all out or have have the most interesting costume. Easy. Luna Lovegood. Can you, I mean, she already right. is a, a natural character to begin with. Like, mm-hmm. she's not afraid, man, to wear the big glasses, to wear the bright clothes, to have the, you know, the bigger, bolder hair. Like, whatever she wants to do, she does it. So I think if she were to put her mind to a masquerade costume, it would be something truly spectacular. And I imagine her mask would be have some sort of magical significance, like warding off some creature that right people don't believe exists at the very least involved her magic would make awesome like her giant lion's mask (laughs) that roars yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh i love luna she'd be so great at a masquerade what's your answer is ethan hunt (laughs) (laughs) that's like a (laughs) (laughs) come on so uh, ethan hunt being tom cruise in the mission impossible movies yes. or not tom cruise in the old tv series but um i'm sp- thinking specifically of of the movies because obviously they have the face mask, mask technology maker that thing mm-hmm. they can wear other people other people's faces basically and then they pull them off to reveal oh it's just tom cruise right but, but you know he'd be walking around the masquerade ball and people and he'd have someone's face on you know philip seymour hoffman or somebody and he'd be like um you know phil where's your where's your mask and be like it's right here and then just rip off his face <laughs> but it wouldn't be tom cruise underneath it would be someone else and so then they'd be like oh how are you doing there anderson cooper and then 
Tom Cruise as Anderson Cooper would then walk around to someone else and someone else would be like, hey, Anderson Cooper, why aren't you wearing a mask? And then he'd pull it off. (laughs) (laughs) Ha ha, it is I, Joel McHale. And be like, "Uh, Joel McHale, you are not that short. And then the the gig would be up because it's just Tom Cruise because he's a lot shorter (laughs) than Joel McHale. But yes. That was going to be my first question. I was like, um, then he only gets one reveal from the mask. No, you pull it off, reveals. but multiple Or masks. if you make the argument that he can only have one on at a time, mm-hmm. he would just have some room off to the side. Right. He's always running where, to the bathroom stall. Where Benji is has the face mask machine and yes. can make someone else's mask. Somebody's like, Ethan Hunt must have ate something terrible. He's always <laughs> running off to the bathroom <laughs> and then comes out as a different person. I think I like my answer more than you did. I think it's funny. I think it's like, it's like dad joke funny. It's like dad <laughs> joke funny. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, I love Mission Impossible. But we're the not newest talking about ones masks. are all getting really we're good. Not, we're not talking about masks in Mission Impossible. We could. We totally could. We are talking about masks in The Rise of Skywalker and The Mandalorian. Yes. So our, our longtime listeners may know we've already done a masks episode where we talked about, talked about Batman in there mm-hmm. and we talked about kylo ren in the force awakens and the last jedi but at that point the rise of skywalker hadn't come out and so we always knew that once the rise of skywalker came out we might get to uh revisit this topic as it related to kylo ren so yes because we we had to see where kylo ren goes with his mask right what's the completion of his mask journey right as soon as that first trailer dropped and it showed that he was going to have his mask back but it would look slightly different. I was like, okay, we have to do another masks episode. Mm-hmm. But yes, if you haven't listened to that episode, maybe we should just give a brief recap or you can go listen to it because we talk about Batman and that part's really cool too. So, Oh, just a brief recap of, of Kylo Ren's of the Kylo Ren masks story. Mask. In The Force Awakens and yes. Last Jedi. Yes, okay. before we get to... I was like, if they want to hear the Batman stuff, they can just go listen. No, 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 no. Yeah. Got I'm it, because that leads into Kylo. this. Yeah, so in, in The Force Awakens... Kylo wears a mask to try to be like Darth Vader. He doesn't need a mask. He doesn't have any scars or physical impairments. He doesn't even have uh, any breathing difficulties. It's all a facade that he's trying to be evil, right? Right. Because Ray asks why the mask, you know? Right. Some kind of monster. Creature in a mask or whatever. Creature in a mask. Mm -hmm. And he says, what do you think you'll see? He's just this normal looking dude. Yep. I don't know, Casey, would you consider Adam Driver normal looking? Nope, he's next level. So (laughs) (laughs) then... And also in Force Awakens, there's that moment, I wanted to bring this up, where he's with Han on the big walkway, yes. the Han's death scene, my favorite scene in that movie. That sounded like Han's you death love, scene, my favorite. You love no, when Han dies. I just think it's a really well done scene, um, especially when we consider it in the context of the rise of Skywalker. But um, Han tells Kylo, take that mask off, you don't need it. And Kylo says, what do you think you'll see if I do? And Han says, the face of my son. And in that past episode that you and I did, we mentioned how much, how Kylo is trying so hard to be a monster or be a creature, like like Rey calls him, um, throughout The Force Awakens, but especially in that scene with his father. And we'll come back to that in a second, but um, I wanted to mention that scene. And then jump ahead to The Last Jedi, Snoke calls Kylo a child in a mask, you know, sort of mockingly. And, and right after that moment, Kylo destroys the mask in anger. And we don't see it again in The Last Jedi. Yeah, that and, was an overreaction. So he smashes it to pieces in the <laughs> elevator. And now... Also, this is ahead. a tangent. Elevators okay. what about on them? giant ships. Don't you think they'd have something cooler, like space tubes, something far more futuristic than just a normal elevator that they all just step in and out of? I think elevators are cool. I don't know what you have against elevators. 
I just want to know, couldn't they have a, a Star Trek kind of, you know, just uh, transport people? They probably like, do. What do they call that? The transporter. <laughs> I know, but I mean like where they like uh, like zap them and then they like rematerialize on different yeah, places. Yeah, the transporter. That's, that's all it's called? It doesn't have a better name uh, than that? Come on, Star Trek. Pretty sure. It's just called the <laughs> transporter. But what do they call it something when they do it? Like... Uh, there's another word for it. No, it's a transporter. They just transport people. That's all they call it. They beam. beam. I mean, like beam me up, beam me down. That's what I'm thinking of. Okay. But yeah, the, a beam. the thing itself is a transporter as opposed to in Galaxy Quest where it's called the... Uh, oh yeah. It has a great name in Galaxy Quest. Dang it. I can't remember. <laughs> no, I need to find this. Hold on. Okay, you can find it. No rush. Reunited and it feels so good. I don't know why that song's stuck in my head. The Digital Conveyor, that's what it's called. That's a much sounds, better name. Yeah, that's much more interesting than the Transporter. Transporter. And much better than an elevator. Star Wars needs to up its game. But good things happen in Star Wars elevators. Kylo and Rey have sort of a, an intimate scene emotionally before they meet Snoke in The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. And Jin and Cassian on the elevator before they die in a nuclear explosion. <laughs> Both of them... Getting very close to kissing in both scenes, but not. But not the elevator. Now, if it had been a digital, if it had been a tube, if it had been a digital conveyor, uh, conveyor, they would, kiss. they would have kissed. I don't know if you can Far kiss. Far more romantic. I don't think that's possible. <laughs> if your souls are truly united, Casey, you can kiss in any form. <laughs> Man, you really got us off track already. <laughs> All we 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 haven't even finished the recap here. All right. Actually, we did. Okay. So, Rise of Skywalker. First thing I was thinking about when we watched The Rise of Skywalker and we're looking at all the masks is that you come upon Kylo Ren in, I um, can never remember the name of the planet that Snoke's, uh, that uh, Palpatine's on. Oh, Exegol? Exegol, yes. Yeah. For some reason that never sticks in my head. But when they come to Exegol and I was looking at all the Snokes in the tubes, I was like, oh, Snoke was totally a mask for Palpatine to wear. Mm. Like this idea that Palpatine's been behind the scenes all this time and still running the show, but using puppets or masks to kind of do his bidding and get his work done. Yeah, Palpatine, even throughout the whole, all of it, he's using metaphorical masks. Like Mm -hmm. Senator Palpatine is a mask for Darth Sidious rather than the other way around. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't think about that. He's the ultimate puppet master. Super super puppet master extreme mm-hmm. i think so speaking of palpatine i think it's interesting that kylo's been and i'll probably use kylo and ben interchangeably throughout this episode i just want to say that but you don't think they're different people at different times casey they are and we'll get to that but, <laughs> but um it's interesting that kylo has been supreme leader for like a year right i think that's what they've said it's been about it's a year a year between yeah so he, and he's been doing this without a mask the whole time. The last time he's worn a mask is in front of Snoke and he destroyed that. And he hasn't had a mask the whole time as Supreme Leader. But it's not until after he talks with Palpatine and learns that Palpatine's been in his head, in his head and Palpatine was Snoke that then he re- reforges, reforms his mask, his helmet. So I think the timeline there is really significant and interesting because, like I said, he destroys the mask originally after Snoke mocks him and says he's just a child in a mask. But after that point, he becomes Supreme Leader. And he's, by the time of Rise of Skywalker, he's super confident. He's, he feels powerful and he's like this bad dude, right? He's raging, it says in the opening crawl. Um, so I think him reforming the mask is almost like a show of power because he says a couple of times he has, 
he has no plan to give in to Palpatine. Like he's got ulterior motives and um, he doesn't plan on ruling underneath Palpatine. Right, because Ray asks him, serving a new master. Yeah. And he says, no. He says, no, I have other plans. Um, I just think that's interesting that he reforms the mask after that point, almost as a show of power, as in like you, meaning Palpatine slash Snoke, you mocked me. Um, and I cared before I cared back then, but I don't care anymore because I'm above that now and I'm more powerful. And what are you going to do about it? You know, I think that's interesting. <laughs> he's going to go dye his hair, his favorite color, because his parents <laughs> can't tell him what to do. Yep. He's going to get like a, a, a mohawk, a purple mohawk. Did I ever tell you about the kid that I went to middle school with with a mohawk? What's his name? Name Ben. His name was Trevor. And <laughs> Trevor, his parents totally were fine with him having a mohawk. That wasn't, you know, mm-hmm. they didn't care. But when he had bad grades, his parents would ground him from his mohawk. I love it. So he had to like part it down the middle <laughs> or like to the side. Like there's no good way to style a mohawk if it's not in a mohawk form. And so he looked just terrible. And so as long as he had good grades, he could keep the mohawk. No big deal. And I thought it was fantastic parenting. Anyways, another and he tangent. he grew up to become Kylo Ren. <laughs> yes, in a, in a mask, a rebellious mask. Um, I was going to mention that like you said, he's been supreme leader for a year and then all of a sudden he comes back in front of his kind of council sitting there mm, yeah. on a, is it a Star Destroyer? What's his big ship? Yeah. And he um, he says, you know, I sense unease about my appearance. So I think everyone at the table is kind of questioning like, why the mask now? Yeah. What does this mean? Is he, you know, going even more crazy than ever? Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, and to take it further because Hux says... Uh, about the mask, like specifically asking. And then he says, um, I don't remember exactly the wording. He, he says he d- he's not, he doesn't feel any unease and that he likes the mask. And I think it's played for laughs. Right. Comedic. And also maybe as a clue to show that he's the spy, because up to that point, Hux is always butting heads with Kylo. And so it seems weird that he would be so deferential and say, no, I like the mask. But I also think it's, I think Hux is being honest there because the last time Hux saw Kylo in a mask, he and Kylo were on a level playing field underneath Snoke, right? Oh, interesting. And so at this point, it's like, well, the mask is back for one and Palpatine's in charge now. So I think Hux is feeling some hope, like, and plus the fact that Hux knows he's the spy and can, you know, he has hope that he can bring Kylo down. I think the, I think the mask is a symbol of, um, of Hux having some hope in bringing Kylo down. I like that idea. We also need to mention that Kylo Ren is still holding on to Darth Vader's mask at this point. So even after Kylo destroys his own mask, he still has this connection with Vader's mask. Yeah. I want to talk about that for a second because Vader's mask confuses me in this movie. And I feel like it could have been more clear or maybe in this the filmmaking process it was going to be more clear and then they changed things in the end. I don't know. But so Kylo touches the Vader mask and you can tell he's sensing something and then they kind of have a a connection between him and and Ray, right? And then they have yes. they, the movie seems to imply that they're sharing that dark side vision of Ray and Kylo sitting on the throne of the Sith and ruling the Sith. Is that mm-hmm. what you got from that? Right. Because Ray says later, I saw it in a vision. And I sat on the throne. Right. And it seems to show them both sensing it at the same time. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting is that when he first touches the the Vader mask um or soon after he touches it, it plays the Kylo theme but in the more like hopeful tone that oh, they, I didn't you know, notice. they play that hopeful tone later when he's gone to the light side yeah they play the the kylo ren theme but it's more like it's in a more pleasant key i don't know music super well but i, I can't figure out why 
I don't know if it's because he knows that he's connecting with Ray, and so there's still some that emotional connection there. That's the only thing I can think of. But um, good question. Generally, the music can give some good clues to characters and themes, but. I don't know if that it's super clear there. When I was trying to figure out why, or uh, what Darth Vader's mask has to do with, yeah, like the connection between Ray and Ren, right. and why does that? Because it comes back to play later when Ray is in his quarters, yeah, on the Star Destroyer, and Ren is down on Kajimi, and that's again when they have that connection is when, yeah, and the mask is even how he realizes that she's in his quarters. Right. In fact, every every time they have a force connection in the Rise of Skywalker, it's near Darth Vader's mask. It's in that room. Yeah. One of them, at least, is in that room. And I don't know why. I felt like they were trying to make the Vader mask more significant. But in the first, in The Force Awakens, it's just him connecting to what he thinks is his grandfather. Mm-hmm. When it's when Palpatine you know, says at the beginning of this one that, you know, when he says, I was every voice inside your head, including Vader's. But The Force Awakens didn't give any indication that there was i don't know i'm trying to figure like out like a what literal the, voice of darth vader just more that maybe i don't know he admired darth vader and therefore was kind of right it's taking hard, his life it's hard to as tell a role model. and then why does him touching the vader mask connect, connect him, him to ray. ray and why does it trigger that dark side vision i don't understand that i'm not sure either i had kind of thought that their connection with each other had more to do with the Kylo Ren in his own quarters in his own room and space would be most vulnerable yeah and therefore able to connect with Ray. I right. feel like that's something he wouldn't ever allow himself to do in a public space, um, but in his own private chambers. He's well, and I don't know if it's clear, but it seems like in this one, Kylo is making those connections when he wants to. He seems because... to have some control over it. And it feels like Ray could do it as well, but she's choosing not to connect right. with him. Because at the end of The Last Jedi, she shut the door on it. So it seems like him, you know, it's at, it's post breakup and he keeps calling and she's not answering yes. the phone. <laughs> exactly. It's <Yeah. laughs> a perfect analogy. Yes. But I'm just trying to figure, and maybe I'd love to hear other people's thoughts because I don't know. Yeah. And maybe I'm thinking too hard. Maybe it's simply Anakin did a lot of dark things wearing the Darth Vader mask. And so it's got some dark force powers and that's it. And that's why they have a dark side vision. But I'm. Could definitely be it. I feel like there could have been a lot more Anakin connection to this it almost felt like they were going to go that way with all the helmet stuff Mm -hmm. um yeah i don't know also when we're talking about kylo ren and ray together whenever he goes to see ren in person or sorry whenever ren goes to see ray in person yeah he doesn't wear the mask yes i wanted to talk about this (laughs) yeah because i think he's trying to bring a more personal connection with her and you can't do that with a mask on Right, because yeah, every time they have a force connection from that distance, he's wearing the mask, which obviously masks are symbolic of of distance. You can't, it's harder to connect with someone when they're wearing a mask, which is the right. whole reason that Ryan Johnson destroyed the mask so early on in The Last Jedi was because he needed Rey and Kylo, Rey and Ben to have these emotional connections. And that wasn't going to happen if he's wearing a mask all the time. Yeah. Um, but yes, that's so interesting that he takes the mask off anytime that they're in person. Mm-hmm. Because masks, like you said, are so impersonal and his connection with ray is anything but impersonal casey (laughs) don't don't look at me that way (laughs) makes me uncomfortable to quote padme uh (laughs) yeah because when um when kylo's flying his tie fighter on pasana you know when ray does her flip over it he's wearing his mask Mm -hmm. then he crashes and either the mask fell off in the crash or he took it off but but yeah i think from a filmmaking standpoint, we needed to, we needed to see his reaction to Ray's force lightning 
So that's why they reveal his face. Right. But he's asked Ray multiple times for her to join him. And yes. it hasn't really worked. And it especially doesn't work when he's wearing the mask. With their first time they, not their first connection in The Rise of Skywalker, but the first time they're like having dialogue. She says like, I see through the cracks in your mask. Meaning like, I know the real you. I know who you are. This isn't you kind of a thing. Yeah, definitely. Because um, we should say his mask looks different now. It's been reformed. It's got the red cracks, which has like symbolic. Those cracks have symbolism. And we'll talk about that in a second. But well, if we're still talking Kylo Ren and Rey and masks, I was thinking about when um, when Rey is on the Death Star and she sees the and sees the dark side version of herself. OK, yeah. Um, I was thinking during that part, I was like, if only like dark side Ray had had a mask of her own. Yes. I wanted that too. I thought that would have been cool. That would have been cool. And then also, cause then, you know, dark side Ray and dark side Ren could be, you know, BFFs or actually would it be BFFM, BFFWMM, best friends forever with matching masks, Casey. <laughs> That's what they want to be in, yes. on the dark side. <laughs> I love this so much. Hmm. Valerie, let's talk about the cracks in his mask. They're very important. Yes. He doesn't make a new mask. He right. reforges the old one. And I think it's got to be like the way it looks so fractured has got to be a, a symbol for his kind of conflicting self, like his fractured soul almost to show that I don't know how to like he doesn't know which way to go. Like he wants to be dark side you know, Darth Vader style right. Kylo Ren. But when he's with Rey, he sees what he could be on the other side. And I think his off again, on again relationship with his mask in this mm -hmm. movie, like it's it's constantly changing. You don't know yes. from scene to scene if he's going to have the mask on or off. And I think that's also symbolic of, of that same thing of he seems to be lacking the the conviction of being the supreme leader. Exactly. Yeah, it's like it's like symbolic of his, his waning conviction. Like he might have had some conviction at, through this whole time that he's been supreme leader but i think that um with palpatine back and then with um his connections with ray that that conviction is waning and it's going to eventually lead to a choice he has to choose one way or the other and obviously we know he chooses to to remove the mask fully which i almost wish we'd have had a moment with the mask like we do with his lightsaber he chucks it into the ocean we don't really ever see an end of the mask right he talks with palpatine through the force wearing the mask and then he goes after, to find Ray. Yeah, it's after he's already revealed that Ray is a Palpatine. Yes. Which, but um, <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> but um, here's my thing. Can we talk about this? Is also off topic. Can we talk about that for a minute? About Ray as a Palpatine. Yes. Yeah, I just I hate it, but yeah. No, my only question is, I don't think I don't know if it's a question. My only thought is, I don't think Palpatine actually would have had a son with any real human woman i believe it's been revealed that he was a failed clone that was my question yes. thought like when i saw it, i was like nobody's having a baby it and nobody's having baby questions. palpatine yes no no right <laughs> so i figured it was like a he cloned himself and then that clone went rogue so right. to speak and, and ran off and did its own thing which would have to say that there has to be some small portion of because if you're a clone of snow of palpatine if you're a clone you carry all the, you know, maybe not all the same DNA if there's some kind of failure in the mm -hmm. cloning process, but 
so much of the similar DNA of Palpatine. Yeah. That in a different life, there was potential for Palpatine to have been a good person, which is really interesting to maybe, think about. Or maybe he's a failed clone because, because, because he, he didn't has choose feelings the dark side. and yeah. chooses good <laughs> because things. Because he has empathy, yes. <laughs> but that shows, though, if he, even if he only has half of Palpatine's DNA, DNA there still would have been a chance of Palpatine to have been How a many good of his person. does he have? I don't know. Yeah, does clone Palpatine also strong with the Force or no? I don't know. I always figured that Palpatine we see in Rise of Skywalker is a clone of sorts. Mm. But with Palpatine's spirit. Like Palpatine right. is a Horcrux in the Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> I figured because he's so attached to machinery or whatever that it is actual Palpatine. I don't know. Yeah. I haven't looked deeper into it because... No, you don't like that. I'm not twist. a fan of the Palpatine stuff here, but well, I, not a blanket statement like that. Ray gets lightning fingers. That's pretty cool. Yeah, she could have had that without being a Palpatine. Dooku uses Force lightning, but he was trained by Palpatine, so there's still a connection. I think that this movie could have foregone the Palpatine lineage thing and still had her dealing with the dark side. It would have been so easy to make that change. I don't know that I, I hate the Palpatine thing. I don't know that I love it. I, I just, you know, it's there. It's what, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to go down this road because I, I just, yeah, <laughs> I could rail against it for a long time, but. Um, Do you have more to say about Kylo's mask? Cause I yes. have things to talk about other masks yes. in the movie. Okay. Because I wanted to talk about the Japanese art of Kintsugi. Yes. Yeah. Did you ever read a single shard? No. I think it's called a single shard. It was a Newbery Award winner book when I was a kid. So, you know, back in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking uh, talking about that and like how when pottery is broken in, in Japanese culture, they reforge it. But like, I don't know if reforging is the right word, but you put it back together, but you specifically leave all the cracks. Right. So you can see them all as it's rebuilt. And in Kintsugi, not only do you leave the cracks, but they're often... Really like pretty. lacquered with gold or silver mm-hmm. which is um it was yeah, like the inspiration the for cracks, yeah. like in the art of star wars book they mentioned that that was a huge inspiration for kylo's mask and they were even going to use a different color but jj abrams was really adamant about the red it's gotta match his lightsaber kylo ren is, <laughs> right. is so posh he would definitely <laughs> make sure that his helmet matches his lightsaber and his dark outfit casey right. and his cape this is all very important to his aura so caitlin plesher who's one of the hosts of of sky talkers um and she's she's great but she wrote like a whole piece about kintsugi and how it relates to uh kylo ren before they had like officially said yeah that was our inspiration this was before the movie but post trailer and and she's i'm just gonna read what she says she says above all else kylo's mask is a metaphor for there still being value in kylo ben solo as a person a character that is continuously drawn to the light a figure who is literally cracked, and now the mask that he used to hide his face for so long has become a diagram of the points of impact in Kylo's life and a symbol for his own transformative repair. Well, that's well written. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sky Talkers is the best. But yeah, I just wanted to mention that, that I don't really have much more to add because that's wonderful, but it is really cool to think about Kylo's mask um, as well as the real world history of Kintsugi and, and how they relate to, to Kylo's character and that I don't know if he sees the cracks in his life, so to speak, as a beautiful thing, but um, the story is treating it as such, as, well, do any as a of chance us for him them to grow. Right. See the cracks in our lives <laughs> as the beautiful parts? They're the hard parts. Here's my question, Casey, about mm-hmm. masks in general. At what point or level do you become like a full-time mask wearer? Like, is it a symbol of your dogmatic support for the First Order when you can, like, don it forever? Or is it just a 
a symbol of like conformity. I feel like for the stormtroopers, it's definitely just a symbol of conformity. Yeah. They're not allowed to be individuals. But like Kylo Ren uses his in a way that is very individual individualistic. But then my other question was, uh, like the Knights of Ren, we never see them without their masks. Mm-hmm. We don't know what they look like otherwise. So, but Kylo Ren, we do see without his. So yeah. it feels like in some ways, once you put a mask on solidly, firmly, keep planning on keeping it on forevermore. Yeah. Is that like your true That's when you've committed gone. to the First Order, to the dark side? But then how does that relate to if you're not like, you know, like Zori Bliss? Right. That was my thought too. I was thinking specifically in like in the First Order world. Okay. Yep. Because then you also get uh, like Finn and Janna and they're talking about, you know, they were stormtroopers and you, you we see in The Force Awakens how restricted Finn feels in the mask like it's the first thing he does is like tries to take you know takes it off and then gets berated for it yeah but stormtroopers are are never seen without their helmets except for Finn and the other defectors like Janna and I which Casey kind of feeds into my theory that they're all force sensitive not just Finn but I think all the stormtrooper defectors were force sensitive because Janna says this is kind of off topic but Janna says that she says that she doesn't even know how it happened they all just put down their guns at once and she said it wasn't even a, a decision it was more of a and and Finn fills in and he says you know a feeling and he says the force yeah and so I was like yeah they've got to all be force sensitive yeah I think it's valid anyways valid that's my side theory but yeah so I, I think it's interesting we kind of talked about this but that Ren's partial mask use is a sign of his wavering and conflicted loyalties. Whereas there are those who, like Janna and Finn, who decide to take him off completely and never put him back on. And then there are those who put them on, like the Knights of Ren, and never take them off. Or Phasma, never take it off. And so I was just, it's a very distinct line within the First Order. Yeah, that's interesting. If you're committed, truly. You wear the mask. You wear the mask. Now Zori Bliss. She just has a super cool mask. She just looks awesome. I don't know why she has the mask. That's why hers is a mystery. Right. Because whenever I see a character with a mask, I'm like, well, do they need it? Is it like Bane? Mm-hmm. Is it like Kylo Ren where, you know, Han's like, you don't need the mask? Right. Like, <laughs> do you actually need it for some physical reason? It filters the atmosphere for you or whatever. Um, or is it just to... And then your second thought is always to, well, is it a disguise? But Zori Bliss's mask is so distinctive, that's not right. <laughs> keeping her hidden from anybody. I think it adds to the mystery of her, right. like that people would know Zori Bliss by by her silhouette, so to speak. So do you think, I just had this thought, do you think that if she wants to go undercover somewhere, she goes sans mask and uniform? That's a good idea, yeah. Because that would be the mask itself. Nobody ever sees her that way. True. I also think character-wise, her wearing the mask plays into the mystery of Poe's past. It gets brought up a few times. Um, So like... We need to know more. We need Poe as a spice runner (laughs) with Zori Bliss. And Zori also knows what Kylo knows, that if you want to make an emotional connection, you show your eyes. Yes. It's very important. It's all in the eyes, All mask wearers know this. (laughs) (laughs) It's a mask wearing 101. That's why the ones that keep their masks on have given up their their humanity, so to speak, their emotions. Because the windows to their souls are no longer visible. Yeah. Are you ready, Casey, to For move what? on to the Mandalorian? Real quick. I'll allow it. Two things. What happens to Kylo's mask? And what happens to Vader's mask? Those I were my know. two questions, too. So Vader's mask falls into the snow on Kajimi. Yeah. Does he pick it up and take it back with him? I don't know. In my head, when I first saw it, I thought the mask shattered. And then the second time I watched it, I was like, oh, no, the mask doesn't shatter. It just plops into the snow. Yep. 
because I thought that would have been interesting. Things don't shatter in the Maybe snow, Maybe it's because I thought it would have been interesting mm. visually and symbolically if, if the mask had shattered. Broken. Melted really plastic. Melted plastic is going to shatter. Yeah, probably not, but maybe just like crack in half or something. Something. Get damaged in some way. It's already pretty damaged. <laughs> that's fair. I don't think that stopped Ren from loving it. I still just think it's that like been the teddy bear that kids carry around and it's like missing an eye and then it like <laughs> lose and then it like loses some stuffing and he's like still so attached to yes. it. Even if it cracked in half, he would still be holding the Darth Vader mask as he falls asleep at night. Vader's mask is Ben Solo's lovey. Exactly. His teddy bear. His teddy bear. As is Han Solo's (laughs) pistol. When he comes to Exegol, he's got a pistol that is distinctly like Han Solo's. Did he steal it? I didn't notice that. Um, Did he... Take it off of his dead father's body? Did he find one that's just similar and... Reminded him of his papa? But his dad, his dad just fell. He, he did. There was no body. He didn't have time to. That's true. To get that's the right, blaster. That's right. He falls down. Yeah. And the the planet was shattering soon after that. So, but yeah, I don't know. And then Kylo's mask. That's what I was, or we yeah. were saying earlier. We never see it again. It would have been interesting if like Ray had destroyed it, or, but I think that might have been more interesting if he had been wearing it the whole time up to that point, mm. because it was on again, off again. Maybe it wouldn't have had that same, same symbolic impact, impact but. Mm-hmm. It would have been interesting to see it destroyed again. Is there some future little force user out there that's going to hold Kylo Ren's mask like a teddy? I think if Hux hadn't died, he would He would at least try it on. <laughs> you know he would. I mean, yeah. And walk around. But, I'd want to try it on. especially Hux. Especially Hux, he would. Hux. Hux is like, I could have been everything that you are and better if I'd have just had the force. Right. I think that's just fate giving with i think he's jealous of ben's hair Mm. hux has pretty good hair i mean yeah he does he's a weasley but he wouldn't have to cover up he'd probably be like no no this will muss my hair can't put the (laughs) mask on also we should mention on our instagram stories we posted a little video of ourselves and we were wearing oh yes the pores strip mask while watching rise of skywalker we wore masks we wore masks (laughs) and um then we were talking about why Kylo Ren actually wears the masks and, and how his mask could be like a little mini spa in there, Casey. Right. Like, you know. When he first takes some it off. Some strips and there's like a nice, some like steaming action going yeah. on. Yeah. When he first takes it off in The Force Awakens, his skin looks luminous. So yes. there's got to be some something in there. <laughs> Just continually pampering spa. his yeah. face. <laughs> I would wear it all day. <laughs> and then the few who got to see my face, it would be radiant. That's the only reason he reformed it. Galadriel style his... of radiance here. <laughs> he knows his portable spa is one of a kind. And yeah. so that's why he reformed it. <laughs> We've solved the true mystery behind his mask. Okay. Let's jump to the Mandalorian. Oh, the Mandalorian. The Mandalorian is an ode to a mask. Where are we starting? I don't even know where to start. What do you like about his mask, Casey? Well, first of all, I I think it's really interesting that Star Wars has often explored the Jedi religion and belief system, but usually religions and cultures outside of the Jedi Order aren't really explored that much. The Mandalorians are, but by the time of the TV show, The Mandalorian, their, their culture has changed a lot compared to, you know, we see it a lot during the Clone Wars, but they didn't have... They didn't have rules about mask wearing at that point. The Mandalorians are taking their masks off willy-nilly all the time. And it's still a mystery, even by the end of the first season here of Mandalorian. We don't know why they started that creed and why it has carried on. And is it all Mandalorians? 
Or is it, you know, the ones who have stemmed from Death Watch? Yeah, I don't know. And you would think that they would be better at hiding, if you know, because the mask, the mask and the Beskar armor is what gives them away as Mandalorians. Because everyone's like, oh, they're rare. Mm-hmm. And when they see them, they're like, that's a Mandalorian. I know what that is or I know who that is. Right. So you'd think that it'd be better. You know, the same thing with Zori Bliss. Like, that's not much of a disguise. If the Mandalorians are in hiding, which they are. But I think it can come down to them being one of a group instead of an individual. Mm. Like with, we call him Mando or the Mandalorian for the first eight episodes yeah because we don't know his name he's just one of a whole he's defined by his culture Mm -hmm. yeah and so i think maybe that is a kind of mask in and of itself like because they wear masks and have the best scar they are one of a group instead of individuals it's probably a way that they're trying to preserve the culture as well because they're in hiding they're underground there's not very many of them left since the you know since the purge which we don't even know what the purge is right we don't, yeah, there's a lot of mystery still to the yeah. Mandalorian. But that's, I mean, we've only got one season, so right. they're going to leave that. Obviously, but. they're leaving us some things to learn later. But yeah, I love that that this... Because, yeah, is it after the purge they started all wearing the masks all the time? Which is an interesting thought, because, okay, if you're going to purge something, it means to get rid of them all, like to try and kill off all the Mandalorians. Yeah. And that's why there's only a few left. So you could go one of two ways. You could all disavow being Mandalorian mm-hmm. and just walk around normal looking people and no one would ever know. Um, or you can be even more bold with it and like only ever wear the mask. Which is the route that they Which is what taken. they chose. Yeah. Which now that I'm thinking about it feels very um, like the Jewish people during the Holocaust. Mm. Like you could, they were forced to wear the star or or to you know come forward and say that they were jewish and some went into hiding and some boldly wore the star and then you know had the repercussions because people knew for sure they were jewish yeah so it's very interesting yeah there's a lot of real world similarities and obviously nothing's ever one-to-one with star wars but that's what's cool about star wars is taking all these influences from from real world history and cultures and whatnot so with the mandalorian or dinjarin he didn't always have a mask because he wasn't born a Mandalorian. Right. Because as Cara Dune happens to know, somehow she just happens to know, that Mandalorian isn't a, a people, it's a creed. So do you think that he was found and becomes a foundling after the Purge? During the Purge? Is it after the Purge that they're like trying to well, build the, their ranks more? Well, from the flashbacks, we know he gets saved during the Clone Wars. Yes, so but I is just, the purge after the Clone Wars, during the Clone Wars, before the Clone Wars? Well, it can't be before Clone Wars. I guess it'd have to be after Clone Wars. And even after Rebels. And so even it's after Rebels. Be, okay, so what... So it's he gotta would be have during been, the height of the Empire. So he would have been older. Uh, what role did he have in the purge right, then? Right, in his 20s or 30s mm. is what I believe, yeah. Because it would have had to have been the height, during the height of the Empire, right? Mm-hmm. Probably, yeah, I don't know. So when we see... I'm trying to figure out the timeline here. So when we see the... Uh, the Mandalorian and Rebels, they generally have masks on, but not always. Like right. we see Sabine's mom without a mask. Mm-hmm. Um, but they already are dwindling in numbers. Yes. And the Empire is still already sort of taking over. Taking over. I don't think that, I mean, I don't know. Maybe the Purge happened and they mentioned it in Rebels. I don't remember. I feel like the Mandalorian's the first time we ever hear about a Purge. Mm-hmm. So we're assuming, yeah, I feel, I, I mean, in my head, it feels like it needs to be the Purge happens and then the Creed comes about. If you're a Mandalorian, you always wear the mask, but that doesn't fit with the timeline of him 
saying he hasn't taken this off since he was a child, which makes me wonder if it's just Death Watch that is always wearing the mask. Oh, interesting. And he's just part of a subsect of the Mandalorians who is always um, wearing the mask. That choice. That have made that choice. Which would fit with their characters because as we see in the Clone Wars, they are very much uh, the warriors. They don't like that the Mandalore um, is becoming more, I don't know what you'd call it, uh, pacifist yeah i mean duchess satine is a pacifist and they don't agree with that at all so maybe that's their way of proving that they are true mandalorians they never take the mask off yeah and we see in dinjarin's flashbacks that he is rescued by death watch but we also know that in clone wars death watch is not above setting up something where they get to come and play the hero and pretend to save everything Mm. So somehow they led the separatists there to attack or something and then come save the day. And then come save the day. And then they seem like the saviors. Which would be really interesting if if Din doesn't know that mm-hmm. yet, but he finds that out. That was my thought, mm-hmm. is that he, it would be so much more interesting if his saviors are actually the, the bad guys. But they killed his parents. Right. Yeah. That they essentially, or maybe not them personally, but they at least led the people there who did kill his parents. Mm-hmm. I feel like that would be a vastly interesting route to yeah. explore. I like that idea. I didn't think about that. Anyways, One, I'm talking a lot. That's okay. I, I find Death Watch very fascinating. No, and you've watched all the Clone Wars more recently than I have. And so I, the timeline is not sure in my brain. But, but I wanted to talk about this. I just had this thought too, because the show treats the Mandalorian Creed. It is like a religion. You know, they, they're not supposed to take their masks off. But um, I'm convinced, and I haven't really heard, maybe people talk about this, but in all the flashbacks... And I've mentioned this on episodes when I talked about it with Tyler and Ethan on Bacon and Eggs, but they always, they're wearing red. He and his family are wearing red. And in the Disney era of Star Wars, they've made it known that red is the symbol of believers in the force or even people that are part of the church of the force. So like Jin's mom has red in her, in her um, clothing mm-hmm. and, and uh, Baze and Chirrut wear both wear a lot of red because they're believers in the force or they're part of the church of the force and so I'm, I'm convinced that his family was part of that church and so he's already got that um sort of religious background and i think that'll come into play with with the with child the child and the force mm-hmm. and all that yes i love that thought here's the real question speaking of the child casey is if the child because right now the child is under his protection mm-hmm. at what point does the child become an actual foundling like Din is. And then we get a Mandalorian helmet. <laughs> and then we get a Mandalorian <laughs> this is what I need to know. If the child gets a Mandalorian helmet, will it cover his ears or will there be holes for his ears to poke out? I, I have these same questions. They keep me up at night. <laughs> yeah, I need to know. <laughs> but also, I mean, as much as I think the child with a mask would be adorable, I also love his little face. So it'd be kind of sad to cover it up. Also, he's still a child that needs to be like fed and stuff so how do you teach him to like keep the mask on this sounds like a parenting question for mm-hmm. mandalorians like kind of like the same as like straws is that where you're <laughs> right kind of like potty training for us humans you know we just like are trying to teach your child how to do it appropriately and everything it's mm-hmm. like that but with a mask you're like these are the times when you keep it on these are the times when you're allowed to take it off yeah this is you know just a very specific to their to their creed yeah kind of parenting thing they have to figure out how to do so they can't eat in front of each other right and that's my other question do mandalorians he says he says he's never taken off in front of another living was a living person yeah um he says no living thing has seen me without my helmet since i swore the creed 
which is still true by the end. Right. So here's the thing, though, is that means you would always eat your meals alone. Or with a straw. Or with a straw. This, this thing doesn't have a hole. I mean, it's, it's, just up, tuck uh, the straw underneath, up underneath. Up underneath your chin in the round. It'd have to be like this big old curved straw to yeah. like get here. That's all, all straws in Star Wars are weird. So All Mandalorian straws bendy. are specially made. <laughs> <laughs> How lonely is that, though? I feel like the Mandalorians... With this creed, they're making themselves a very lonely people. Yeah, like we talked about before, if if you if it's really hard to have that emotional connection with a mask on mm-hmm. all the time, like with Kylo, then yeah, they're gonna be. And I think we see that throughout the series, and that that Mando is um, he's not really a cold person necessarily, but when he puts the mask on, it kind of makes him more cold naturally. Yeah. Like there's an episode. um, Nobody ever sees your face. You never have a meal with another person. Like there are all these limitations to be able to emotionally connect with other beings, which would be vastly limiting in his growth as a emotional human. Yeah. Like in chapter four, the sanctuary one with Mm -hmm. um, Cardoon. Yes. And he's trying to give the villagers like instructions and a bit of a pep talk and it doesn't go super well. He comes off kind of cold and emotionless. Yes. And Kara's like, nice bedside manner. And then she kind of is able to rally the troops, so to speak, rally the villagers. Yeah. And I think that's just a good example of that. Of um, It's a great example. Of him being, the when you wear a mask, it just naturally makes you, makes it harder to emote with people and to connect with people. It's a barrier. In that same episode, I love that Cara Dune asks him, you know, like, what happens if you take the mask off? Mm-hmm. And he's like, nothing. I can just never put it back on. And she's like, she doesn't quite get it. She's like, so you're telling me that if you you could just take off the helmet and settle down with that beautiful wiz- uh, that beautiful widow, I was going to say wizard, <laughs> <laughs> that beautiful widow mm-hmm. and raise your child together? Like, she's yeah. like, why not? It's keeping him from a, she's implying it's keeping him from a good life. Yeah. But I think that's really interesting how, often throughout the series people are trying to get him to take the mask off mm-hmm. and it's something that i love about his character is that he is he's, um he has conviction conviction yeah conviction um, in his creed he's not like kylo ren in that sense like mm-hmm. he he is very much convicted to and connected to the way and the path and he's going to stick with it and i think that will resonate with and does resonate with a lot of people that have um you know religions or cultural um traditions that maybe to the outsider look silly or, or look odd, like or, why this is keeping you mm-hmm. from living a full life and yeah we've said like maybe he has that difficulty connecting emotionally with people but um it's part of his way of life and i think that's admirable and um i love that about his character as well that despite all these people like Kara's pretty nice about it like she doesn't quite understand but then there's people in like the the prisoner episode where they're almost trying to fight him and force him to take the right. mask off that episode definitely made me think of kind of real world um like people who wear like a burqa or hijab and mm. you kind of as outsiders people are trying to like force them to remove them yeah which is just so unfair to somebody's personal convictions and beliefs they should yeah. be allowed to wear what they believe in and so it's that same idea that yeah the the other you know what you call them at the prison the other bounty hunters they're very much trying to just defile him in any way that they can and kind of put him down and and the best way that they could do that would be by removing the thing that is most important to him although most important the child's moving up that list i used to you know at the beginning you'd be like well the creed and the ma- the mask represents the creed is like the most important thing to him but there have been plenty of times where he's 
put the child ahead of that kind of, uh, you know, the safety of the mask. Yeah, I like that. I just wanted to talk about how the Mandalorian's mask goes hand in hand with his relationship with droids. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, he hates droids because droids killed his family and attacked his his home when he was a child. And then these masked people come and save him, right? So already he sees masks as a, as a positive thing. Maybe not... Right. Um, explicitly but you know he subconsciously he yeah. yeah as a little kid the people in the masks saved me i think it's why we're all fascinated with superheroes just the idea that uh most of the time are are, are you know the, the saviors the people who save people are the ones in masks mm. yeah that's interesting um but also going back to what we talked about with the mask making it hard to have the emotional connection with people it makes him a bit robotic you know he is a bit robotic throughout and so i think that's right and it wouldn't be just him, it would be all the Mandalorians. Yeah. Because as we talked about, they have no real emotional connections with each other. Or at least it'd be a lot harder. I can't. We didn't see any Mandalorian families. Maybe we'll see some in season two. That would be very interesting. The mom, the dad wearing the masks, the little children in the masks. And you have to create new masks every so often <laughs> as they grow. As they grow. As their head gets bigger. Or is it not until... Because that's another religious thing. Like if you... A lot of times you don't accept a religion to like a certain age. Mm. so do you get to not put the mask on until a certain age when you are old enough to like accept the creed the kids in the sewers seemed pretty young and they were wearing masks right but they still could have been like eight nine yeah i don't think there were like three and four year olds there Mm -hmm. so they could have just recently you know been into the creed i don't know yeah so i feel like the mask is is conducive to this cold almost robotic robotic lifestyle right Mm -hmm. um and it's it's out of that cultural preservation that we talked about. So yes, while it is a cultural thing to keep the helmet on, it's uh it's like it seems like a relatively recent change to their culture, like we've talked about. Right. Um, and perhaps the the relationship between humanity and a loss of humanity is just a growing pain. Like the Mandalorians are still going to be figuring that out, how to live life to the fullest while also preserving their culture and um, and wearing the masks all the time. Um, but like to keep this train of thought going, the first season has multiple moments where he really hasn't lost his humanity at all. It's almost like a yes. we as the audience expect him to be cold and robotic. And in some ways he slightly is, but that's what makes his character so interesting is that he has a lot of humanity. Like we talked about with the child, what is it? The third, the third chapter where he gives a child up and then goes back and rescues, rescues a child. Already he's showing his humanity and and even at, if he doesn't, at the risk of himself, yeah. Even if he doesn't necessarily show his emotions a lot, like in terms of verbally or you know, normally crying you get or anything, to, yeah. But, normally you get to read people's faces, yeah. but he shows it through his, through his like, actions. broad actions, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then later on the prisoner episode, when he's trying to keep that Republic soldier from dying, um, the one that's like piloting the yeah, the and he's got prison the button. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that because that episode shows that the ones that are trying to get him to remove the mask and the ones that have no masks are really the monstrous ones they're the ones without the humanity yes. um whereas he's got the mask but he's the one showing true true humanity and then also he we expect that he's killed all those bounty hunters but yes i 100 percent <laughs> expected that he had killed them all as he's taking them out very batman begins style among the uh what do they call right. those? those big metal storage containers you yeah. know and he just kind of appears and takes them out and appears and takes them out except the droid the droid dies. Yes. Because Star Wars likes to treat droids as lower class. but <laughs> And Mando does because he hates droids. It's another Death Watch thing, I'm telling you. If he stayed in prison, 
Like, if he had been captured, would they allow him to keep the mask on? Or is it considered, like, a weapon or something like he cannot have it with him? Would they allow him that? Uh, and it just made me wonder. I was like, well, do we in our prisons? And I still haven't looked this up. I'm sure it depends on the prison or Right. Are the they allowed country? to wear, a, you know, a hijab, a burqa, a... Uh, Anything of religious significance. Uh, turban, of, you know, anything that is of religious significance. Or is that considered like a threat, like a thing that you could hide a weapon in or something like that? And so they're not allowed. Because that feels very demoralizing to strip them of something that is part of their person or part of their, uh, sort of their character, their mm-hmm. personality. Their, their identity. Identity. Yeah. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. No, it's an interesting question. And I don't know what the the Star Wars prison rules are, but... I don't either. <laughs> but it is, yeah, it's an interesting thought. Going back to him and droids, it's very yes. interesting that he allows IG-11 to save him at the end. Because there's a, a conflicting thing there between IG-11 says, well, I'm not a living being, so I can see you, and you won't break your creed, essentially, is what he's telling him. And Din Djarin, like decides to allow him to do that and to save him. But at the same time, by doing that action and saving him din becomes attached to ig-11 mm. and now he's seeing him as more than just a droid for the first time and he doesn't want ig-11 to die at the end um, because he sees him like i said as more than a droid he's more real to him now that he has saved din in in that way and so i think that kind of as just an interesting idea that like he allows him to save him because he's not a living being but more and more, Din is starting to believe that he is a living being. Well, and I, the thing I love about season one that maybe we don't talk about enough is how it's all about how stereotypes and stereotypes in the context of the Star Wars galaxy um, and flipping those stereotypes on their head, right? Because mm-hmm. in, the, in the episode before, the second to last episode, IG, um, well, Mando doesn't trust IG-11 and his new programming as a nurse droid, right? He says it goes against its nature. But I think this is a reflection of himself, that the show is often about rejecting the stereotypes of, that characters are born under. Um, you know, Mandalorians are seen as mostly cold warriors, and we see throughout the season that he's not that. And he sees droids as all um, also cold, emotionless warriors and um, killers, and he sees through IG-11 that that's also not true. And I love that it's playing with stereotypes and flipping them on their head within the Star Wars universe. Yes. I had a similar thought, speaking of um, masks, in relation to both Kylo Ren and Mando. The idea that the mask lend itself to to mystery or to the idea that the person underneath the mask is, you know, a potentially scarred, horrible monster underneath the mask. But in both those cases, Kylo Ren and Din Djarin, when they take the mask off, you're like, oh, it's just a guy. Mm. Which is, again, kind of flipping that assumption of ours that there's, well, there's some reason that they wear the mask, you know, some like physical reason that they need to hide themselves or something. So it's flipping that idea on its head and it's like, these are just normal men. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess I would, I would say the thesis statement then is like the Mandalorian and Kylo both use masks in different ways. You know, Kylo is a mask to cover up the Ben Solo part of his persona right yes. to cover up his humanity mm-hmm. but Mando's mask is part of his his belief system yes but ultimately it doesn't hide his humanity yeah i love that i guess my only final thought on the mandalorian is that it's just like we were talking about this conviction he is so convicted to this 
creed to this wearing of the mask that he's willing to forego settling down with a beautiful widow on a nice happy planet Mm -hmm. and he's willing to die because he's refusing to take the mask off for Cara Dune and so that she can help him that's how important it is for him like he is willing to die for this mask um, or not for the mask, but like the mask, like right. I said, is a representation simple, yeah. of, the, of the creed and his his beliefs. And I think that's like you were talking about earlier, like it's wonderful to have a character with such strong religious convictions yeah. in some way. It's something that we don't see a lot. Um, and also, I think it will really play into season two and the questions of his past will come up. And so hopefully we'll see more of what the creed actually is and we'll see maybe when it started or when it started. And I'm really fascinated about all the history of the Mandalorian mask and that creed. So we might just have to do a masks part three at some point, Casey. Definitely. I love talking (laughs) about masks. Well, should we close out the episode, Valerie? Let's do it. Do you have any media recommendations? I would recommend Joseph Gordon-Levitt's podcast. Um, the what's it called creative processes processing creative processing mm-hmm. creative processing and he has guests on but specifically because you were talking about it on discord and i hadn't listened to it yet the episode with ryan johnson yes, it it's the first so episode of the podcast came out last august so august of 2019 and it's a really great episode really great talking about like the ideas of creativity and where it's original and and how we use other people's other people's creations for our own inspiration and how we can kind of use those and take from them but not copy them and i thought it was really great that's a great episode because they talk about last jedi and knives out they do well he mentions that he has knives but it hadn't come out yet so he didn't say anything he didn't say too much Mm -mm, he just said i have a movie coming out this fall called knives out and it's a whodunit because they're talking a lot about genres right Mm -hmm. and i think play with genres he's good at finding that balance of yeah taking what he's interested in about the thing but also making it his own mm-hmm. yeah my media recommendation is we watched the farewell which yes. was a movie from last year and i've been meaning to watch it forever and we watched it and it's so good it has aquafina aquafina is so good in it and, and she's, an entirely asian cast yeah, which is great she plays a character who um her grandma finds out that she or well she doesn't find out the family around the grandma finds out that she is has cancer and um but in in the chinese culture they don't have to tell the elderly if they have this they tell the family of the elderly person that they have this illness and it's up to the family to decide if they tell the the person whether they have it or not like they say that there's a chinese phrase that when you when somebody finds out that they have cancer they die Mm -hmm. not meaning that the cancer kills them but meaning that they stop living because they have cancer and culturally the family feels like they have to take the illness on themselves themselves. like a a burden for themselves to carry it for them and the other person gets to lead a happy unknowing of the cancer kind of life yeah so it's like it's an ethically fascinating movie yes but it's also very dramatic and very funny um Mm -hmm. it's just all really well made good it's great it's really well shot and the colors are really awesome in a lot of shots and the lighting and gosh it's just it's a great movie i really loved it so i highly recommend the farewell and it was fantastic grand recommendation want to say thank you and hello and welcome to our new patrons we have josh and claire and Haley. thank you so, guys you're the yeah, best we love our patrons and you can become a patron and join us on the discord and also check out the other awesome benefits in all the tiers at patreon.com slash hello from elsewhere it's really fun to be in our discord we ask things like the all-important question yours could be chosen yeah we discuss our 
Today we were discussing our favorite Jane Austen books, so we really just go all over the place. Yeah, we have all kinds of awesome discussions, and it's amazing. If you love our podcasts, and we really hope you do, then please go to iTunes or Apple Podcasts and leave a review for us. It helps others find us. And also, word of mouth, too. Uh, It's huge, so tell your friends that are nerdy. Post your favorite episode on your Instagram. And also discuss stuff with us, too. We always love that. Jump onto our Instagram or twitter at elsewhere underscore pod and we'd love to chat with you about what you love about the episode or even um just what what interests you or maybe ideas that you had as you listened because we all know as you listen to podcasts you kind of talk along with it um i know i do so yes we always want to discuss yeah with the people <laughs> and so i know you do listeners so let us know what you're thinking about hello from elsewhere is a proud member of wbne visit wbne.org for more fabulous podcasts like sincerely us who just had their one year anniversary Woo-hoo! congrats friends or like this one late to the party in a world not unlike our own It is a balmy 80 degrees in Miami, Florida. I'm chaotic neutral tiefling monk. I don't recall there being tieflings in Miami. Now you know that hammer toss isn't an actual hammer, right? It is in this universe. Okay. No, it's a big big old hammer. It's a big old sledgehammer. (laughs) Where magic and monsters run rampant. Kind of looks like a bug monster. Oh, Jordan has showed us a diagram of, uh, I think, Red Eye's Black Dragon from the Yu-Gi-Oh! Oh my god! Well, I speak Infernal, so I'm gonna ask it what the heck it is. A real estate agent. Lily Davis, who sells real estate by day. A football coach. I love you. Don't touch my flowers. A failed actor. I am a former Broadway star. And a teenager. Sunny days, a student in college, crazy, right? Must save the world. And you're waving your clipboard back and forth, and... Do I feel my clipboard connect with something? Coming March 23rd to WBNE. Late to the party. Well, this cantina is a a denizen of... Thieves. Of thieves. I don't know when you say den. I was saying den Um, of thieves. I was trying to think of, like, (laughs) a, a denizen of unsavory bounty hunters and and yes thieves in the star wars universe and we probably should get out of here because they're looking at us funny because we're ill-equipped to be in such a scenario in a star wars cantina (laughs) we wouldn't be allowed i think the little like motion sensor for droids would go off on the side i think they would think i was a droid Mm, yeah you wouldn't be allowed in Mm -hmm. i've got a bit of a c-3po about me so (laughs) (laughs) happy beeps happy beeps